Oh, testing, check, that's good, perfect. Testing one, testing, check, check one, testing.
Have you come to bless the Lord? Aren't you glad that God doesn't look at our masks, look at our hearts? Lord, we lift you today. We bless you. We praise you. We magnify you. For there's none like you, oh God. Hallelujah. Put our hands together.
bless your name, Lord. Stir us up, oh God. Stir us up, Lord Jesus. Stir a passion in my heart, God. Let it overflow. Let it overflow. Stir a passion in my heart, God. Let it overflow, let it overflow. Breathe on me, Holy One. Come reveal your wonder now. Open wide my eyes to see all this so
give him glory, give him honor. Burn in us, oh Holy Spirit. Burn a passion in us, oh God, I pray. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. We lift you, Lord Jesus.
working. You never stop. You never stop working. You never stop. You never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. You never stop.
oh Lord. We praise you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Continue to worship. You may be seated. Man, aren't you glad to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Aren't you glad to be alive today? I tell you what, man, this COVID stuff is straight from the devil. People started talking about it. it was from China. I believe it's from hell. As many of you know, I've had COVID this past couple weeks. And so I'm going to the chair today like we do on Wednesday nights, kind of lay back and relax a little bit. And I'm sure that's not going to happen. I'm probably going to push this chair back and knock it back here and just keep on preaching fine to you guys. So good to see everybody. Uh, it's really discouraging because, you know, we, uh, when COVID first hit, we had a, a influx of, of people that were, you know, not coming to church. Uh, I remember before COVID, we were running over 200 people on Sunday morning. Um, and, and then, of course... It started increasing, and uh, you work hard, try to get the church back, and um, I guess the week before last, we probably had 176 people in this building at least, and we're getting back up towards that number, and then something like this hit, and it's understandable that some people didn't feel comfortable today. I'm not knocking that. That's why we have Facebook Live experience. It's running right now, to my knowledge. Am I right, Brandon? Praise the Lord. Welcome to the Facebook audience. We've probably got a lot of our church members that would normally be here that are watching us via Facebook, so we welcome them this morning as well. But it's challenging because you, you get to that point where you feel like God's starting to move and bless and, and things are going better and then all of a sudden the enemy comes in like a flood. But can I tell somebody today that according to the scriptures, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord is going to lift up a standard against it. Can somebody give Jesus a hand clap of praise today? Hey. I was, this past week, I was sitting at home, and as I was sitting at home uh, with this dreaded mess, I, I found myself just calling on the name of Jesus. Somebody asked me, said, what do you do? How am I supposed to respond? Have you got any tips for me? I said, call on the name of Jesus. That's all I know to tell you. Just call on Jesus. I put my little earbuds in my ear and I started listening to the scriptures. And just this past week, I got into Isaiah. It just happened to be on that day. And as I was listening to Isaiah, and I talked about a little Wednesday night for those that watched on Facebook, where Isaiah said, he said, no weapon that is formed against you shall prosper. And when I read that or heard that in my ear as I was sitting there and I had fever, not feeling well, laying in the bed, like a little bums, what I felt like, anyhow, like an, somebody asked what I felt like, I felt like an old man is what I felt like. So for you that talk about feeling old, I feel your pain for a couple days there, alright? And I'm laying in that bed, but when I heard that, no weapon that is formed against you shall prosper. I put my little Bible app on pause and I said, no COVID will, will formed against me will prosper. I started quiet. I said, no, no, no sickness that is formed against me shall prosper. And I began to rebuke the enemy. I'm going to tell you something, folks. Jesus has power over all the works of darkness. Today, I've come to tell you a simple sermon entitled, Fear Not, Only Believe. And that is exactly what I believe by the time we leave this place. 
that we're going to be seeing that God's going to do in our midst. Now, before I get into my sermon this morning, I do want to make a few announcements. Uh, we had our council election. We would have announced it last Sunday. But, of course, uh, we had several people in the church that got COVID, I think around 14 or 15, which I'll mention in a minute, that need special prayer. But I want to make a note, Susan Finley. We're so proud of her because several years back, uh, it, was, it was passed in the General Assembly that women could serve on the pastor's council. And so Susan Finley uh, made history. And so we congratulate her, Miss Susan, for, and those that voted. And so our first woman to serve on the council. So we're really excited about that. Also for Steve Mickler, who's not here today, R.D. Wade. Uh, they have been voted on as well. We will have a possible fourth member coming on. We're going to be having a council meeting, which was scheduled for last Thursday. It's going to take, this, take place this Tuesday. And uh, we're going to talk about taking the council back to seven like it was originally. But I'll let you know next Sunday as to what comes of that meeting. And that council meeting will be uh, this Tuesday night. All right. This Tuesday night is when we're going to have that council meeting. Also, a few people to remember in prayer before we get into the word. My mother-in-law, Jennifer's mother, uh, Donna Johnson, she did have a heart attack. And uh, the doctor said that it was just perfect timing that she was able to get to the hospital when she did. It was like 100% blocked. Uh, she was talking about, my, my mother-in-law, you have to know, she, she really likes working in the yard a lot. And even when she's sick, she's one of those that grabs a shovel and goes digs dirt. Whatever she can find to do with her hands, she does it, right? And so she's about to go out there to dig some dirt up and got to feeling bad and called Jennifer and told her something. She's like, you need to sit down, call in the ambulance, and thank God by the time she got there, they were able to put a stent in. And so she's recovering and doing well. To God be the glory for that. Also want to um, make an announcement, the passing of Frank Knight. I don't know if some of you heard, Brother Knight went to be with Jesus. How old was Frank, Susan? Ninety. 93, I thought so, 93 years old, but a pioneer of the faith, a great man of God. Every time you were around him, you could just sense God's presence. That's the type of guy he was, and so our prayers are with this family today, but we celebrate for Frank because he's in a better place than we are today, folks. And then all the families with COVID that have been affected by our church know that we're praying for you. We're believing God for healing. We have two that are in the hospital right now. Jim Anderson is in the hospital with COVID pneumonia. I received word this morning that Brother Olin Thompson is in the hospital and he has uh, double um, lung COVID pneumonia. And so let's be in prayer that, that God would bring healing to them today as well. And I know we've got about 14 or so others that I know of that have COVID. That's why, of course, they're not able to be with us today. They're still in isolation or quarantine. And so let's pray for them as well today. In the book of Luke chapter 8, where I want to go this morning, Luke chapter 8, verse 40. So it was when Jesus returned that the multitude welcomed him, for they were waiting for him. And behold, there came a man named Jairus, and he was the ruler of the synagogue. He fell down at Jesus' feet and begged him, come to my house. For he had an only daughter about 12 years of age, and she was dying. My daughter's 11, so I kind of feel where he is. But as he went, the multitudes began to throng him. While he was still speaking, someone came from the ruler of the synagogue's house saying to him, Your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher. What he's trying to say is, it's over. It's hopeless. This situation is done. You might as well just go back home and be with your dead daughter. But when Jesus heard it, he answered him saying, Do not be afraid. Only. What? Only believe. I guess what he's trying to say is fear not. Only 
believe and she will be made well. When he came into the house, he permitted no one to go in except Peter, James, and John and the father and mother of the girl. Now, all wept and mourned for her, but he said, do not weep. She is not dead. She is only sleeping. And they ridiculed him knowing that she was dead. But he put them all outside, took her by the hand, and called, saying, Little girl, arise. Then her spirit, this is a miracle, then her spirit returned, and she arose immediately. He commanded that they give her something to eat. They wanted, he wanted them to know that she was not a ghost, that she was literally a physical human being. And her parents were astonished, and he charged them to tell no one what had happened. It is during 1933, it's in the inaugural address that is being spoken by President Franklin Roosevelt. He is in the middle of a great depression and he seeks to calm the troubled hearts of, of all Americans. In which he speaks to them these words. He said, there is nothing to fear but fear itself. Can I say to somebody that fear is the feeling of dread? Has anybody ever had fear in your life? Fear is anxiety. Fear is when you get to this place of alarm. It, it is panic. Some people even go as far when they become so fearful that they will literally have a panic attack. It can be mild anxiety and range all the way to a flat out panic attack. I know someone just yesterday in my family uh, or a couple days ago that had a panic attack and was in the uh, grocery store and they had to take her to a back room until she calmed down because she literally went into a panic attack about some news that she was told. The Psychiatric Association has categorized what they call a variety of phobias. It is known as acrophobia, which is the fear of heights. Claustrophobia, which is something that I have a little bit of. It's a small space or or when you get in a small room and you feel closed in. Or, or maybe perhaps it's when you get in that elevator. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And it makes those weird clicking noises. And you just know any moment it's going to stop. Any moment it's going to stop. And you are going to be trapped in there. The first thing I do when I hear it is look for the phone. Because if it goes out, i got to have a way to get out of this thing. Because claustrophobia will set in. That's anxiety. It's fear. Agoraphobia, which is avoiding places that you feel like you'll panic. Research has indicated to us that we are born with two type phobias, alright? We are born with the fear, only two fears. The first one being the fear of falling. The second one being the fear of loud noises. That is why naturally, when you're a baby or even an adult and you hear a boom behind you, automatically what do you do? You jerk. Because this is a phobia that you are born with. They say that every other fear that we ever have in our life is what is called a learned response. In other words, we create fears in our life. That is why everyone in this room shares different fears. There are some of you that if I had a tarantula in the room, that you would hold your hand out and let that little ugly spider walk all over your hand. But there are others of you, if I took off after you with that spider, you would squeal like a little girl and you would run out the door. There are some of you today that would pick up a serpent, wouldn't be a bit afraid because you've handled them before. There's others of you that if one was slithering across the floor, I would not even have an audience to preach to today because fear would take hold. It is fear that takes many forms, the fear of success in some people. For some people, the fear of failure. For other people, the fear of rejection. 
For other people, even in a pandemic, the fear of disease or the fear of sickness. For some, it is the fear of the future. For some, it is fear what is going to happen after death. Jesus describes to us that in the end times, that there is going to be worldwide fear. A matter of fact, he said it this way. He said that men's hearts in the last days are going to fail them for fear. There are people that are going to have anxiety attacks, that are going to have heart attacks, that are going to be freaking out all because of everything that's going on. I'm telling you, we are seeing this now in a time of uncertainty and fear. Fear is from the enemy, ladies and gentlemen. Fear only produces negative effects in your life. There is nothing positive about it. When you have fear in your life, it will paralyze your decision making. What you would normally do, you will not do in the face of fear. It will immobilize action when normally you would jump to action because of fear you fail to do so. It will hinder your prayers. When you're afraid and you go to God in prayer and fear overcomes faith in your life. It will limit faith. It will restrict your happiness. It will restrict your joy. It will lower your productivity. It can even jeopardize your health if you allow it to. Because of fear, Adam and Eve hid themselves from God in the garden. Because of fear, Israel forfeited the land of Canaan. Ephraim turned back in the day of battle and lost because of fear. Saul's army fled from Goliath because of fear. Gideon was left with not 32,000, but 10,000 because of 22,000 men that were afraid to fight. Elijah suffered depression because he was afraid of a lady named Jezebel. Jonah ran from God to a place called Nineveh and ended up in the belly of a whale. Why? Because of fear of doing the will of God. There's a man that has a talent and instead of investing it or using it for God's glory... He buries it in the earth because of fear of what his master will do to him. The Christ's disciples cried out, Master, do you not care that we perish in the middle of the storm? The reason they did it was because of fear. Christ's disciples deserted him in his most great moment of need when he was on that cross. Why did they desert him? It is all because of fear. But in a world of fear, I need somebody to understand today that we have a God that is speaking to us and He's saying, fear not. All that I need you to do is to believe. And this is exactly the message that God gave to Jairus in light of a daughter that he's just got the message that she's dead, she's gone, we've checked her pulse, it's not there anymore. In the face of that kind of fear, Jesus looks at him and says, Jarius, fear not. All you have to do is put it in my hands and believe. It is said that the distance between man and God is fear that is in the middle. See, the thing about Jairus is Jairus is a devout man. a matter of fact, he's from the synagogue. He's probably heard Jesus speak in the synagogue. He's a desperate man. When people get desperate, they get serious about God. How many of you even know that uh, he was willing to transcend his religious prejudice, even to the point of going to Jesus? He was a Sadducee. The Sadducees 
And the Pharisees of that day have turned away from Jesus. They've rejected Jesus. A matter of fact, they feel like Jesus should die because he's a false prophet. They don't believe that he's the Messiah like he said he was. So for these people, they're afraid of Jesus, if I can say it that way. But because he is a desperate man, each man, he transcends his religious prejudice. And he, just like Nicodemus, goes to where Jesus is. How many of you know that when a man gets desperate, He'll do desperate measures and desperate things to get to Jesus. How many of you know in this house today that an atheist, it's been said that an atheist is an atheist, which means you don't believe in God, until they get on their deathbed. And then all of a sudden the atheist believes there is a God. Because all of a sudden an atheist that for years and years has said there's no God, you hear them on their deathbed and they're saying, Lord have mercy on me. And that's exactly what happens with Jerry. He's a desperate man. He's a disillusioned man. He has just received the worst news that I guess a father can receive. And that is your daughter is dead. He is down. His faith that he once had has disappointed him. His hope is gone. But Jesus speaks four profound life-changing words that I believe Jesus is speaking to us. Fear not, Jerry. It's only believe. I was reading the story of a... Of a of a fear not Jesus is with you story is what it's called. And there's this little girl that's awakened by a loud burst of thunder. It's a bad storm outside. She runs to her parents' bedrooms, says, Father, Father, I'm going to get in the bed with you and mother. To which the mother responds to the daughter, Honey, honey, no, no, no. You can't get in the bed. You're too old for this. Says that besides, said, there's nothing that's going to harm you besides Jesus is in the room with you. And Jesus is going to take care of you, honey. To which the little daughter looks at her and says, Mother, you can go in there and sleep in the room with Jesus. I'm going to sleep in the room with Dad. Come on. The principles that we learn from this account, I'm going to give you three, and I'm not going to hold you long. Give me about 20 minutes. There are three that I want to focus on. And number one, that is accept the validity of God's promises. What does that mean? The validity means that it's valid. It means that it's true. It means that it's sure. At times, as Christians, we, we focus more on the circumstance than on God's promises in our life. I'm going to say that again. We focus on the circumstances around us more than we do the promises of God in our life. When we look at the circumstance, what does it do? Well, obviously, it brings fear, right? How many of you today are just dying to get COVID? I mean, you are so ready to get it, you can't stand it. Anybody in the house? I mean, anybody want to have a COVID party? This is the point. The reason you don't want to is because of fear. That's it. Because we understand that while some people may have mild effects, while some may be asymptomatic. I wish I was one of those people. I thought I was for a while. But to Delta, I guess I wasn't. And I wish I was. But there's some that are asymptomatic. Never even know they have it. But to others today, even in our church family that are at risk of being put on ventilators right now because their oxygen just constantly. Right now, Olin's on six liters of oxygen. For you nurses and medical field out there, you know that's getting high and up there where they're going to have to put, of course, a mask and then the next step is a vent. So, so we know that there's those today that are suffering. There are those that will even die. And so when you get it, let me tell you something. If you do get it, I'm going to tell you the first thing you're going to battle is your mind. 
I'm going to go ahead and tell you. The first battle you're going to have. And the first thing that Lucifer, that Slewfoot, the devil, that serpent is going to do to you. He's going to get in your head. And he's going to tell you you're going to die. I'm going to go ahead and tell you this. It's the first thing that is going to happen to you. Satan's going to get on your shoulder and say it's been a good run. It's over. It's never going to be the same again. I remember when I was 16 years old, I had to have uh, lung surgery. Y'all could never guess that, right? And so naturally, because of a lung history, you automatically get COVID. You think to yourself, oh my God, it's going straight for my lungs. I, I, I mean, if anybody gets COVID pneumonia, it's me, right? I remember I had my surgery. I was 16 years old. I remember back then, I preached harder than I preach now. I mean, I was on I'm wide open, wide open, wide open. That's what age does to you folks. You slow down. But as a young teenager boy, I had this fire and I could just preach, preach, preach. Like an energizer bunny wind me up and I'd never stop. I could go, go, go. And I remember after that surgery, I remember sitting in that hospital for seven days. I believe the eight days when I was released. Seven nights, I laid in that hospital bed. They gave me one of those, what's them things called that you... Breathe in too and you got to get the ball up. Anybody that's ever been in the hospital and needed one of those, you if you saw one right now, you take a hammer and break it. I promise you. I would, if, if you pulled one out right now, I'd break it right here in front of the whole church. You would think it's simple to get a ball up that high, right? Nothing. Well, after lung surgery, you get about that high and they say, oh, you're doing good. What? I'm doing good. I'm about to die here. But they keep on making you breathe into that thing. Breathe into that thing as that ball continues to go. And I remember one day he told me, he said, you're not going home until that ball reaches that point. You can hold it for so many seconds. Son, it changed my life forever. I started about passing out trying to hold that ball up there. But I'm going to tell you what happened to me. I was laying in that bed. I won't ever forget it till the day I die. Seven nights I've laid in that bed. On that sixth or seventh day, I remember sitting up in my bed. There's a tube in my back that they've got to remove because all the blood that is draining because I had spontaneous pneumothorax, which means that I had a bleb and they had to scrape that bleb down because it, it would fill with air and when it filled with air, it would collapse my lung. Happened four times. Until finally they said, if we don't do surgery, you're going to have permanent damage to your lungs. And so we went that route. But I remember that pipe sticking out of my back. And I remember the devil coming to me and saying these words. He said, you will never preach again. I remember that. I remember just as sure as my name's Jimmy Perdue. And I remember sitting up in that bed and I cried like a baby. And my soon-to-be, or at the time, just a year or so away from being my wife, I was right at 17, we got married at 18. She's there, oh, Jimmy, what's wrong, what's wrong? I, I never hardly cry, you know, I, I'm not a crier much. And then my mama, honey, are you all right, are you all right? And I just start crying, I said, just leave me alone, just, just leave me alone. And I just bow my head and I just sit there and I just have a moment. Because in that moment, if I have ever felt fear, I felt fear in that moment because I felt defeated. And I thought Satan had won the battle. And that's exactly what's going to happen. He's going to come to you. And I remember the first time I ever got ready to preach. And I remember it was in Lydia Holiness Church, Bible Truth Holiness Church, a church that my mother-in-law and father-in-law were from for 35, 40 years. They're here now. And my my daughter, my, uh, not my daughter, my, my wife was raised in this church, their daughter. 
was raised in this church. And I remember it was the first preaching appointment I had about a month after the surgery. And I remember walking up to that pulpit when I was on the way. The devil said, I told you, you would never preach again. I remember that night. And guess what? I struggled. I mean, I'm trying to breathe and I'm trying to do things. I probably should have had a chair that night. But I tried to act like normal and I struggled and I fought. But I remember telling the story I'm telling to you now. And I remember saying that night to the devil and to every enemy of my soul. You thought you had defeated me. You thought you had overcome me. You had brought fear into my life. But in the name of Jesus, I'm released from that right now. And I remember in that moment when God came by and glory filled my soul. I'm telling somebody today. That if you're not careful, you will look at the circumstance and you will be fearful. You'll be much like Peter that saw the waves bolsterous. And when he saw the waves so bolsterous, he began to sink when he got his eyes off of Jesus. An astronaut was about to enter the spacecraft. A news reporter comes up to him and says, How do you feel about the mission you're about to take? Are you afraid? To which the astronaut replied, How would you feel knowing that this spacecraft... Consists of 140,000 different parts. And each one of those parts have been supplied by the lowest bidder. Talk about fear and anxiety setting in. When we look at the circumstance, that's what happens. i got to hurry. The promises of God are described in Scripture as being unfailing. That means there's always more. God always has more. If you feel like you need more, God's got more. If you feel discouraged today and you said, I've went to him one time before. Well, I want to tell you, go to him again. He's got more. Oh, God. He, he gives us these promises of God that are assured. That means they're guaranteed. They're like a millionaire writing you a check for a million dollars. It won't bounce. They are grounded in Christ Jesus. Peter calls them great and precious promises. They are everlasting promises according to 1 John, which means they last forever. That heaven and earth will pass away. But my words, my promises will never pass away. You've got to accept the validity of God's promises. Not only did God say it. I want somebody to know today that God is able to do it. For in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above. All that you should ask or think according to the power of God that is working in you. You've got to believe. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing comes by the word of God. Secondly. We commit the outcome to God. It is fear that anticipates the worst possible outcome in our life. What does fear stand for? It stands for false expectations appearing real. What fear does is it makes you think the situation is worse than it really is. Can I tell somebody today that fear that haunts us is the question, what if this or that happens? What if this or that comes to pass? What if, what if, what if I fail? What if my health fails? What if I lose my job? What if the economy goes sour? All of these what ifs. Can I tell you that is fear. Fear asks what if, but faith 
says, I know. Let, let me show you a scripture really quick. Second Timothy, look at this with me. He says, Paul said, for this reason I suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. For I what? For I know in whom I have believed. And I'm persuaded he is able to keep me. And keep what I have given him until the day that he comes back. What I'm telling somebody today. Remember the promises of God. The eternal God is our refuge. And underneath his everlasting arms shall you trust. What does that mean? That means when I get to a point that I feel like I cannot go any further. God wraps his arms around me. Jesus is holding me in His arms. I love this. And that's exactly what Deuteronomy says. It's in the everlasting arms of God. You see, I can take you to people in the Bible and I can show you moments of crisis faith. I can show you in Job 13, 15, Job and his sufferings. I can show you when he allowed faith to rule in his life. When he said, though God slay me, yet will I still trust in him. I could take you to Daniel 3 right now. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Let me take you there in the scripture. So the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us. Oh, praise God. How many of you believe God's able to deliver you? From the burning, fiery furnace. From this burning, fiery circumstance and situation that you face. And he will deliver us from your hands. Watch this. But if not. Now, now I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. Because really this is a, a sermon for another time. But if not let it be known. We will not serve your gods or worship your image. Which you have set up. I love this verse. But if not I still believe. When they are facing death. They trusted the outcome to God Almighty. And you know the story that when they're thrown in the fire. Nebuchadnezzar says there's not Three men in the fire, but I see four men. They're loose and walking around. Everything that held them bound has been broken. Every circumstance that stood in their way has been removed. I see four men walking around and the fourth man. It looks like Jesus has done what Jesus does. When we commit the outcome to Him, He makes a way and sets us free and gives us deliverance. Paul's in prison in 2 Timothy chapter 4. Let me read this to you. For I am ready, I am already being poured out as a drink offering. The time of my departure is at hand. He knows he's about to die. I've fought a good fight. I've finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give to me on that day. And not to me only, but to all of those who love his appearing. Verse 18. And the Lord will deliver me from every evil work. And no weapon formed against me shall prosper. And preserve me. Why? For his heavenly kingdom. Do not be afraid. If God has plans for your life, you ain't going nowhere. Do not be afraid. Somebody said, well, Pastor, you know, I'm driving down the road. I'm scared I'm going to get in a wreck. I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of people who are going to get in a wreck today. There's a lot of people who are going to die in car wrecks today. Matter of fact, I start watching out, Susan, when I get about a mile from the house because they claim that's when you die in a car wreck. 
So I get a mile, I'll be buckling up the seatbelt and do 10 and, 10 and 2, you know what I'm saying? I mean, make sure I ain't going to die on the way home. Somebody's going to die today, right here in this county, no doubt. Somewhere it's going to die from a car wreck. But I'm going to tell you something. I'm not going to get in my car today and be afraid of what's going to happen to me. My life is in His hands. I'm trying to tell somebody that in the face of fear, in the middle of pandemics, in the middle of uncertainty, when we've got Afghanistan and we've got wars and rumors of war, let me tell you something. That's exactly what's going on in our world today. Let me show you all something. I, I, I want to show you this. And, and what I'm going to do here... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something here really, really quick. I didn't plan on doing this, but I'm going to do it. And I'm going to show you before the close of the service. Now, Brandon Anderson, what I'm about to do, I'm about to send you this picture, airdrop that thing if you can to your computer, and I'm going to get you to put that up for me in just a few minutes, if you will, sir. Do you know that the Jewish children at night, this is what they pray. They pray Luke 23, 46. They say, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Do you know that's how Jesus faced the fear of the cross? He said, Father, into your hand. What or whom do you need to commit into God's hands right here today in this service? Somebody needs to pray right now. Father, into your hands. I commit my marriage. Somebody today needs to pray. Father, into your hands. I commit my job and that boss that has been aggravating me to death. I commit, Father, into your hands my lost child. I commit into your hands my ministry. I commit into your hands my my church. I commit into your hands my future. Everything is, is in your hands. When we trust the validity of God's promises, when we commit the outcome to God, all of a sudden things start going so much better. I'll leave you with this. Third point, I'm closing. Don't doubt. This is what Corey Ten Boone said, who was in consecration camps. Her and her sister Betsy had one page of the Word of God. One page. One page. If they would have been caught with that one page, they knew they would be killed. But what Corey Tim Boone and her sister Betsy started doing is they started folding that little piece of the Bible up and they started handing it to the others that were in Nazi camps. And many, many hundreds, maybe thousands, came to Jesus Christ. And all they had to cling to was one simple piece of God's Word. No wonder God said His Word is powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. She said these words. She said, never doubt in the dark what God has already shown you in the light. What does that even mean? That means, let me tell you something. I've been in the light before. I've had the glory of God shine down on me. And put His spotlight and the warmth of His Holy Spirit all around me. And I need in that moment, my God can do anything. I knew in those, come hell and high water, I'm not letting go of this man named Jesus. I've had those moments in the Spirit and the presence of God where I said, man, I don't care what comes against me. I'm telling you, I could charge hell with a water gun right now and not even be afraid of the devil. That's moments when we're in the light. And revelation is there. And God is showing us His power. But there's times that we find ourselves in sickness. And in the bed of sickness. And Satan on our shoulders. And he's whispering into our ears. And he's telling us this is the end. Fear tries to grip our soul. It is in that moment. That you cannot forget. What God has already shown you in the light. 
Because right now, you may be going through a dark place. But let me tell you something. See, Jarius had to deal with something that's called divine delay. Hurry up. Psalm 130. Let's hurry and go through this really quick. Psalm 130. I've got to close. I've been 35 minutes. Psalm 130. The Bible tells us. He says, blessed are those. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. And in His Word, I do what? I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than those who watch for the morning. Yes, more than those that watch for the morning. Habakkuk chapter 2. This vision is for a future time. It describes the end and it will be fulfilled. Watch this. God said, if it seems slow in coming, what do you do? If your miracle seems slow in coming, if the prayer you prayed, the answer is not there, it's slow in coming. Wait patiently. Watch this. For it will surely take place. God says it may not be when you want it. It may not be when you think it's supposed to come. It may be four days late, but yet it's right on time. It will not be delayed. No matter what the adversary does, Jairus has just been told his daughter is dead. But Jesus said your daughter is going to be fine and nothing was going to change that back. Who cares? If it's today, or if it's tomorrow, or if it's next week. All that I know is that God showed me in the light what He was going to do when I was in the darkness. I'm just going to trust and believe God is going to be faithful. Go ahead and play, Susan. I'm closing. Biblical examples that show us those who waited for God in faith during periods of delay. Abraham waited for ten years. For his son Isaac to be born after 10 years. Then he was tested by God at Mount Moriah to actually kill him. But thank God, God came through. Joseph waited for 12 years in prison. Before finally, 12 years later, he finds himself in the palace. His dream is fulfilled. Joshua and Caleb, 40 years in the desert. Because of the unbelief of their generation. But they lived to see the promised land. David waited for 10 years being hounded by King Saul in the desert. Spears being thrown at him, trying to kill the man of God, the anointed king. He ran as a fugitive on the run. But he said in Psalm 27, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? He wrote, I will not fear what man can do to me. The disciples waited 10 days in the temple courts for the Spirit to come who on the day of Pentecost fell. You remember the old adage which says, Fear not at the door. Faith answered. And there was no one there. When I open the door and I can see fear at the door, fear can overtake me. But when I open the door and I take alongside me Faith, all of a sudden, when fear sees faith, do you know what fear has to do? Fear has to leave. God wants to take every one of your fears today. And He wants to do the exact same thing with you. Brandon, you got that picture, buddy? One second, not quite ready. Father, today I want to thank you for your word. I want to praise you, God, that there is nothing that is too hard for you. 
Father, today, even in our church, there are those that are suffering from sickness, even us that have been sick, that are still feeling some of the effects of symptoms. Father, I speak healing right now in the name of Jesus Christ. I rebuke this weapon that has been formed against your children. I rebuke the work of darkness that not only seeks to destroy people, but He seeks to destroy your church. And I've already read the back of the book and I already know who wins this thing. And I already know that the gates of hell shall not prevail against your church and your people. And so today for our brothers and sisters that are suffering, that are dealing with these things, I am asking you right now, let the Holy Ghost, the third person of the Godhead that we believe still moves, that we believe still has the power to set people free from any matter of disease, any matter of sickness. I am speaking it right now, Father, even for our Facebook audience that right now are at home, God, and fear is trying to grip them. I am speaking into their lives right now. And I am asking you in the name of Jesus, remove fear. All fear must go. It must subside. Because we have faith. We fear not. We only believe. And when we do that, we go back home and we find that a daughter that was dead, all of a sudden, she's alive and well. A situation we were in that seemed hopeless, we go back home and all of a sudden everything has changed because of the power of God working. Jesus, today, we pray intercessory prayer. And we believe that miracles are happening right now. Hallelujah. We believe right now that healing is being sent forth. For the Bible said He sent forth His Word and they were healed. In the name of Jesus, we speak to those that are in the hospital today for Jim Anderson. We pray for Olin Thompson today that's in the hospital. I'm asking you, Father, to touch their respiratory system. I'm asking you, Father, to do what only you can do. I'm asking you to let faith come into their room and let every bit of COVID run out of their lungs right now. In the name of Jesus, we know you are able. By your stripes, we are healed. We refuse to sit back and just be idle and say, well, things are going to take place however they're supposed to. We speak faith into a fearful circumstance for them right now. In the name of Jesus. Can somebody shout Jesus with me? Jesus. 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 Oh, we praise you. Can you lift your hands right now? Can somebody give God a hand clap of praise in this house right now? Jesus, we praise you. Put it up. We praise you, Jesus. Alright, now for our Facebook audience, make sure you got it up there too, Dylan. I want to show you all this, and I'm going to let you go. Our overseer sent this to me the other day. I thought it was pretty good. Y'all better pay attention. One, there's wildfires in Australia due to no rain. Two, there's locusts swarming and eating the crops in Africa right now. Three, there's a COVID-19 pandemic on the rise. Are you ready for this? Second Chronicles 7, 13 through 15. Watch when I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain. That's number one. Or command locusts to the barrel of the land. That's number two. Number three, or send a plague among my people. Thank God that's not the end. But if my people, when these things happen, if my people who are called by my name 
will just humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin. And I will, are you ready? I will heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayers that are offered. Where? In this place. Today as we have prayed, let me tell you something. I still believe that. We're in that day of 2 Chronicles. But aren't you glad that God left it in our hands and said that when all these things happen, there's going to be a group of people that still know how to call on my name. And if those people will pray again, I will change the situation. I will not only change it for your church, I will bring healing to your land. If you believe that, can you shout amen today? God, we pray. Let, let's stand. Let's sing this chorus just one more time. Sing that chorus with me. And then we'll put it, put it on the screen there. Brandon, because I forget the words myself. Oh, he's a promise keeper. Light in the darkness, my God. That's who you are. My way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper. Light in the darkness, my God. That is who you are. Worker, promise Thank you all.